Yo, 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 it's your motherfucking boy, the Mark Rob, a.k.a. Sean Mad Love, a.k.a. Gordon Docks, a.k.a. Pacey Twitter, a.k.a. 4Y Willie, a.k.a. Thick Moranis, because, honey, I don't give a fuck about them kids coming at you with the latest episode of We Should Do This Again Sometime. So for this Deleted Scenes episode, this group of Deleted Scenes come from our Season 5 recording sessions from February through June of this year. We cover almost Valentine's Day fights and the legendary career of Bill Paxton. We rank the Batman films and we contemplate when we'll be able to actually have a real conversation about Will Smith and his career. (laughs) The second set of deleted scenes was from a February recording session when me, Kat and Eric were originally going to record on Prince's Purple Rain and Under the Cherry Moon films. We had to reschedule that night, and then we actually got together and recorded the full episode, but of the 108 episodes, including today's episode, it's the only one that we ever fully lost, Um, so uh, my bad, Um, but other than that, uh, we have a bevy of deleted scenes here for you, and we'll be back with a new episode next week, Um, but until then, enjoy. So you guys watched Network recently. Yeah. Was that your first time watching it? It was. How did you, so I watched it and you guys watched it like a couple of days later. How did you guys get to watching it? Uh, I asked him to show me a comfort movie of his. That is not a comfort movie of his. Stop lying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I asked him <laughs> to show me a comfort Christ. movie of his. And he said that he found the fact that like shit has always been insane to be really comforting and the idea that maybe we're not the first generation or couple of generations to survive something like this. Um, I can see that. Um, not exactly my definition of comfort, but I can see that. That's, that's how it started anyway. Like, cause he had, he, we both had really terrible weeks at the same time. And like, when I have a terrible week, I don't want to make any decisions. And when he has a terrible week, he's like, I need to be in charge of one thing in my life. So I was like, you know what? You pick the movie. Hilarious. That's funny. I mean, you gotta have that balance. That's all that matters. Uh, how did you network, though? Oh, I really liked it. Um, I thought it was really funny and, and really interesting. I do think it definitely had the, um, the like, women in power she-demon problem. Oh, well... Yeah. Uh, but I thought it was really interesting. I also thought it was very funny. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if it was supposed to be. Um, um, my favorite scene was um, uh, when old boy went to Beatty and he gave him the speech mm-hmm. in the in the long boardroom. Like my jaw was on the floor. Like it was it was nuts. Mm-hmm. 
but I really fuck with that movie. I think it's. I told Eric and Callan, I think it's um, it may be in my top hundred already, and I watched it only once. Yeah, I I think that is a fair assessment. Yeah, I'll be honest. Uh, neither of these movies really did anything for me. I'm not surprised. I'm not really surprised. Like, uh, I really feel like Purple Rain is just him. I feel like the filmmaker was like, oh, my God, Prince is impossible to work with. We should make a movie where that is, like, unbearably attractive about him. And it just doesn't land. Uh, And then I feel like I really like Under the Cherry Moon. But at the same time, I feel like there's a much better cast for it somewhere out there. I mean, like at yeah. the risk at the risk of sounding like terrible, I would like to see that movie made well. I like the campiness of it. I I do like it. There, I love that Prince and Jerome are terrible actors, and Jerome is just going for it. I, but the, the funny thing is, so yeah, other actors can definitely pull it off, but. There's no other actors that could actually get it made, so that's that's the trade-off. So yeah, I think I might it might get a second watch out of me just because the first time I I was struggling to shake off the general bafflement. <laughs> so I well we just talked about uh, setting up movies before watching them, but those movies like you, like you can't take seriously. Like he has oh, to go in. Except, except that Purple Rain is about like generational abuse. Like, well, yeah, that is that that has a part of it. Yeah, and and you know what I wasn't expecting after the first fifteen minutes of Purple Rain, generational abuse. Um, except it's pretty clear every time the general generational abuse pops up in Purple Rain, Purple Rain is not expecting it either. <laughs> I mean, that's why it's so shocking. <laughs> oh man, but <laughs> uh, so I so I've actually I've actually watched Purple Rain in theaters, but not when it came out. Obviously, I, I was I wasn't even sperm then. But um, I and it was 2017 or 2018, and um, one of the draft house. Uh, here in San Antonio, showed it, and it was. I feel was, like the concert sequences must look amazing, like on on a good like if you have a good print of the film, like I feel like that yeah. must look amazing. Well, Tubi, so Tubi is like 720p, mm-hmm. so you never get good quality if you stream off Tubi, and but I mean they're they're free, so you know it's one of those. Uh, beggars can't be choosers type things, but I just yes. bought them for three ninety nine each for forty eight hours or whatever off Amazon. Oh, okay, um, but yeah, enjoying it in a movie theater with a crowd full of people who are into it, that shit was fun. But I totally forgot we were coming up to the moment when uh, Prince like fired off on Apollonia, and yeah. that shit was so jarring to see in a movie theater with other yeah. people. It it took the win out of the theater, to be very honest. No, I, I don't doubt it for a moment. And the other thing that I think is so, like, it just seemed very, like, weird 
I don't know. Their whole dynamic was him just like negging her. It's very the eighties. Very much so. Yes. Um, and like, this is a nitpick, but I swear to God, like I care, I care about it. And that's why I bring it up. Uh, they show the, the iconic purple jacket too early. That should be a reveal. <laughs> like with um, the silver shoulder, he's like wearing it backstage, just like, oh, this old thing. So when he comes out in it at the end, it's not like beautiful or important. It's not symbolic of his change in any way. It's like, oh, literally the jacket he like wears to fuck around in. Like, I mean, get out of here. I you mean, had the opportunity to fuck around jacket. You had the perfect opportunity to make that jacket into a representation of his growth. Have him only in the <laughs> shot, short cropped jackets that hit him just so, so he can do all that hoe shit he be doing. And then have him at the end come out in this flowing thing that works and he gets on the back of his motorcycle to leave and it sits just like, ugh. And then he chooses not to, like. I think the white guitar is supposed to be that. Yeah, except it doesn't land. It doesn't land like that. I think it would have worked really well if they had done those things in tandem. Imagine going to a Prince concert, playing Purple Rain, and a motherfucker just started crying. Like, that's what you fucking... Okay, but also, like, I get it on the one hand. Like, this, you know, music is a collaborative thing. But, like, (laughs) Prince's character arc is starts listening to women, stops listening to the puppet he voices himself. (laughs) I think more men should take that lesson. I don't I don't disagree with you, but like the big like, oh, he's a good guy now is him being like someone else wrote this, but I dedicate it to my dad. And like that's and you, and you want to know the well, the funny thing about this movie is none of the shit is true. Yes. But of course, everyone believed it was true. So everyone believed Prince had this wild ass childhood or whatever. Um, and the funny thing is, he wrote Purple Rain. They didn't even write Purple Rain. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was kind of surprised that he was okay with letting other people assume other people wrote Purple Rain. Like, he does not yeah. strike me as the type. Well, I say that with a lot of, like, love, by the way, because I've really enjoyed, like, over the last two years or so, really actually starting to listen to Prince. But, like... He seems very controlling over his specific image. Very much, and, yes. and who he is and what he does. And the fact that he might even be... So, someone convinced him to let him think someone else wrote something he wrote. Like, that does not seem like the prince we, we knew and loved. Yeah, and this is way before his shit with Warner Brothers about... Like his like war against Warner Brothers about his music and stuff and like yeah. riding a slave on his face. So this is like well before that. And if I think if if this would have happened, if Purple Rain would have happened after that Warner Brothers shit, he definitely would not have. That, that wouldn't have happened. But uh, we get the conceit in this one though. Yeah. Prince was just a horny ass dude, man. Before he before he got religion. Uh, well, well, even I, well, even when he was religion, he was like horny, but horny for God. Like he was not. Yeah, he yeah he turned it around. He definitely turned it around. 
He, he definitely I, can't hold for God. I do wonder if that's why I, like, struggle with Prince a little bit. Because, like, Queen has always been kind of out there. And they came out out there. And they started out yeah. there. And they stayed out there. And the way that they were, like, kind of out there, like, aesthetically changed. But, like, nothing changed that much. Even the Beatles yeah. changed a lot. But, like, you knew they were still those four guys. And, like, you knew who they were and you knew what it was about them. No one knows anything about Prince except, like, Minnesota, baby. And, and, and like, that's it. Like, nothing about him is is real or even seems human. <laughs> and, like, I think that makes it really hard. Like, he is just a horny alien, and that makes him really hard to, like, relate to. I mean, yes, but. Like, as a figure, I'm, I'm yeah. specifically talking about. But I I think for Prince, though, it's more so the fact that he's just so fucking talented that we know, like, no one can reach the shit that he's done. And so so for a lot of people, especially for, like, my age and, like, way older, basically, it was kind of that he is the the alien. And we're just enjoying the shit for what it is. Um... And yeah, it, even to what you kind of say as far as like getting into him now. So yeah, like before, like years before he passed, like like he stopped like performing like all the sexual shit. But the thing is, like a lot of people grew up on that part of a part of him, and so and a lot of that is his best music. So yes. it's like he stopped performing it, but people still love it. And, and then also before he died, like his music and streaming, it just wasn't a thing. And so people that like loved him were mostly this kind of older crowd that would go to his live shows. They would still support him by his newer work. And then, you know, now he's passed. And now I'll be very honest, it feels kind of cheap the way like his estate has bashed him out, like like pimped him out basically. And like his shit isn't his shit's in like a credit card commercials now well, yeah like, but he a didn't month after he died any stipulations yeah and if you don't leave any stipulations anybody can do anything with you at any time like there are yeah. still his family and and his manager and his like the person who physically like with like I think his housekeeper or whatever are still all suing each other over who actually owns things. Nasty work. Nasty fucking work. And like, if that is determined in our lifetime, I think that would be surprising. <laughs> well, I would say maybe the next like couple of years, yeah, but I think man, but, I really but also like I I kind of wanted to to put this on the docket for tonight as well. But have you ever seen the Prince episode of Muppets Tonight? Sure, have not. Oh, okay. No. So I don't know why. I don't know if it's the Muppet magic. I don't know what it is. But like Prince is like genuine and funny and a human being. Like <laughs> the the most genuine and funny and human he's probably ever been. And it's so because he's talking to a puppet frog. So that's so that's kind of the jig. And so for all those years being cut off, like you're right, like we don't know what Prince's personality is. 
but from like random kind of encounters and stories people kind of talk about that but at the same time those are all personal random happenstances that you happen to be in the same area as prince and you happen to experience the good prince story but a lot of that's not really translated to the to the masses except yeah. when he's being a horny guy and wants to play guitar in minnesota or or when he's on the muppet show like the muppet show specifically muppets tonight it was not the original muppet actually show. Um, you know i yeah, think he's, i think i may saw a clip of that He's on it as the artist formerly known as Prince, and he's explaining oh, yeah. why the symbol is the name, is the symbol is the name. Like, it's, it's, in that moment, he seems very aware of, like, how stupid it all is, but also, like, <laughs> that does not weaken his conviction, but he's still able to laugh at it. And it's, like, very sweet. I mean, like, yeah, it definitely should not. It definitely should not be convention. But I also think, like, that is not... Are we going to record this whole episode before he even gets here? Um, sure is. Sure uh, will. Oh, so while we're waiting, um, are there any are there any episodes or any topics for episodes... Oh, sorry. Any movies or any topics for future episodes that you want to review? Um, I guess we're gonna have to talk about Batman. <laughs> so my fucking ass, I'm gonna see this shit on Friday at ten o'clock in the morning because I'm a fucking mark. My friend asked me to go see it with him for his birthday, so I feel obligated to go see it, but I have no desire to see it at all. It's at this point, it's one of those FOMO situations for me. So uh, I fully admit that I'm a slave to FOMO. So I um, don't I'm, care. Like, I'm so glad everybody else is having a good time. That's how I feel about Euphoria, too, by the way. I'm like, ah, hope y'all are having a you nice know, time. You know, the funny thing is, Euphoria is actually not a good time. It's just exquisitely made and produced, but none of the shit's actually good. It's it's basically a telenovela, but with exceptional filmmaking and crazy-ass teenagers. I mean, shit, Kellen watched Under the Cherry Moon. Do you want to see if he's available right now? Uh Hilarious. Uh, that said, I think I may have discovered a new contender for favorite, which is the worst. This is the worst time to discover a new contender for favorite. Um, hey, it comes out in the wash, man. So, so Saturday night, um, I, uh, like just kind of hung out. We didn't really go out. Um, and he introduced me to the Batman animated movie, Batman versus Two-Face from 2017 and it is based off of uh batman 66 with a bunch of the voice cast so adam west is in it as bruce wayne and batman burt ward is in it as robin william shatner is two-face julie newmar is catwoman oh wow yeah and uh it was like a solid, I think I gave it four. I shouldn't have given it four. It's a three and a half. Um, it's a three and a half star movie. Uh, and I was kind of blown away, honestly. Wow. I've never seen, I don't think I've ever seen the the 60s version animated before. So I had a tie-in comic, but I thought it was just 
like a comic thing. I didn't realize it was tying into a movie. Okay. Um, and it's good. Um, we also watched Teen Titans go to the movies, which is a favorite of mine. If you haven't seen it, I think you would probably hate it, but you might also laugh a little bit. Hilarious. Um, it's probably the most intelligent parody of superhero movies. Critique is probably more accurate. Um, I'm a big fan. No, I mean, mostly my goal this week is uh, I'm reading Stanley Tucci's book right now. Oh, what's it called? Uh, Taste. It's about food. Well, he has great taste, so. He does. Uh, And it's, it's, I've been really enjoying it so far. So my goal is to kind of just vibe with that for a little bit. Maybe I'll revisit uh, Julie and Julia, or he has a movie about a restaurant that I can't remember the name of off the top of my head. Uh, You know. From the mid nineties, yeah. From ninety six, that movie was on my watch list too. Um, the guy who was in, you remember Monk, the TV show? Yes. Tony Shalhoub. So him and Tony Shalhoub were brothers, if I remember it correctly. And it's supposed to be really good. And it is called where the hell is it? Big Night. Hmm. Yes, yeah. that's what I'm thinking of. Um, uh, I also don't know if you've seen um, uh, Stanley Tucci has a show on HBO Max about uh, just going to Italy and eating food, and it's really good. I think I saw that. I think I it's saw incredibly it. charming. Ooh, Blind Date wasn't good. Um, I didn't. He co-directed this. He co-directed Big Night with Campbell Scott. Yes, who is it's so. F- Campbell Scott is like a, a quietly good actor, but he couldn't really lead movies, but he was like a really good like character actor. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess he's kind of lost in a shuffle of like 90s character actors when for whatever reason 80s had didn't have very many, but the 90s had like an abundance of. Um mm-hmm. and so Big Night should have been on my watch list. It wasn't. Now it is number officially 564. <laughs> so, yes. So, I will be checking it out. It is now number one on my watch list because I just figured out how to do that. <laughs> I was going to ask you, you don't heart your movies to like them on Letterboxd? Only I'll... if I really, really like them. Okay. So, like, uh, Lost Boys has a heart. Yeah, I saw you watch Lost Boys recently. I saw that. Fucking love the Lost Boys. It, it is fully a three and a half star movie, but I will not hear a word against it. Not one oh, word. Man. There are two star movies that I like, so that is funny. One watch list, big night. <laughs> and when you watch it and you rate it, it will take it off of your watch list. So then there you go. It will be at zero, and I won't feel crushing pressure to do anything. There you go. There it is. There it is. So for me, like, so there has not been a four-star movie that I have not liked. So basically anything over like four stars is going to get the heart. But oh, if you don't... yeah, that's nope. For me, the heart is like stuff I specifically love. 
So oh, like so the Streets love. of Fire has a heart, even though it's not a great movie. Uh, or like The Power of the Dog, I think is a really excellent movie. I think I gave it four or four and a half. Didn't love it. Not giving it the heart. Um, All right. I, I see Coda, I vibe with. I like it. Uh, I really liked it. I would not describe how I felt for it as a, as a love. Uh, so it did not get the heart. Um, I think, well, are you going to keep Apple TV? Because I chucked that shit. <laughs> oh, I've been watching Fraggle Rock and the, the new Snoopy stuff. Yeah, no, I, I, yep. It's part of the ecosystem now. Well, the challenge with Coda is you can't, I mean, you can have it on the background, but there's going to be big pockets of just no sound, which defeats the purpose of having a movie on in the background. So, yep. um, so it's kind of a tough, we have, you have to actually sit and watch it. So, yeah, that's, that that's why I watch Fraggle Rock. Yeah. Tragedy of Macbeth. I wonder what happens at the end. I was kidding, cat. I'm kidding, cat. Me, just like. <laughs> don't don't spoil Shakespeare, cat. Please do not. Man, Pearl of Mothers was good, but it wasn't good. Well, it was good, but it had a bad ending. But... <sighs> so, um, oh my, oh, Halloween Kills came to HBO Max. Are you going to give that another whirl? No. <laughs> I will probably watch it before the third one. Just to yeah. like, I'll probably watch all of them. I'll probably watch yeah. the original Halloween, Halloween 2018, Halloween Kills, and then four, you know, in that chronology, or three in the 2020 aughts uh, chronology, however you want to describe them. Um, just to like have it all fairly recent in my brain. Yeah. But like, I don't care. That movie t- was bad. A 2.6. That is funny, boy. That is funny. And like, I noticed that a lot of the people that like it, I think like particularly really like the hyper violence. Yeah, I was going to say that, yeah. And then the people who don't like it are like, remember when it was like creepy and weird and bloodless and like had a good story? <laughs> remember the good old days? Of 2018. Uh and like even the 2018 one, like upon rewatching it, um, like I I have realized that I think that 2018 and 1978 are roughly equivalently good, uh, but ni- 20, 2018 needs to try a lot harder to be as good as Halloween 1978 is effortlessly. Yeah, I, I think that's what that. I was struggling to put into words when we did that episode. No, I mean that's pretty astute. I mean, I would I would definitely agree. Um, but it's like they they so they kind of have to because they're walking in the footsteps of not only classics, but then all the other shitty ones too. And then we're now doing another remake. And so, you know, they they gotta you know they they had to come with it and they did but um but still i mean they they 
this it's not as seamless as 78 even though 78 you know it it you know is a, is a kind of a not cheaply made film but it's a lower cost film and you know that kind of has limitations but you know in in the canon of horror though it's it it, it can be described as pretty effortless so yeah and i i think i came to the conclusion that so I have Halloween five stars and I have Scream four and a half stars. I think I came to the conclusion this week that I think Scream is my favorite horror movie of all time. Like it it hits it just hits all my fucking boxes, man. It really does. It's so good, man. Oh my god. Wait, I'm sorry. I know this literally doesn't matter. And I, I think you're right. Scream is so good. A strong agree. Um Marcus Bagwell, Buff Bagwell just discovered Urban Dictionary, guys. <laughs> Holy shit, he is about to have himself a night. Did y'all watch the um, Gerard Carmichael special? I haven't watched the special yet. I saw him on it. I saw him on SNL. Oh, so, but it's still really good. Even though that kind of gives a little bit of a way, it's really good. Yeah, no, that was, um, yeah, his, his SNL was pretty good because it was the week of the slap. And he was yeah. just like, he talked about how tired of it he was, but he like never referred to it as the slap or anything. He was just like talking about it. He only referred to it in like third person. And it was yeah. like, but I mean, everybody obviously knew what he was talking about. And it was just like, it was a very fun way to tell a joke that had been told too many times. I'm like, very, it was really fresh. It was, it was hilarious. Speaking of that, so remember how before the slap, I wanted to have the Will Smith conversation? Mm-hmm. Um, I think even now, it may be super... I don't think it's necessarily weird, um, but I will say... Um, I think the slap, I, well, it's definitely going to affect his career. And I think it's going to affect how people view even his older work. But I think one day, I think we got to have the, the conversation soon. Well, not maybe not soon, soon, but I think we got to have the conversation of if he's, if he's a good actor or not. Because, I mean, he... he yeah, a lot of blown layups, man. And a lot of the percentages, man, the percentages is not hitting just, the way it should be. I just attribute that to what, again, like what my brother said before. Uh, Will Smith is a man who never wants to, who, who never wants to know what if I did. So it's like, he's just like, yeah. what if I didn't? He, he would lay awake at night thinking if he passed on daylight. Like, especially after... Oh, my God. Like, he knows. He, he's like, well, we know. What if I passed on Wild Wild West? Well, we know now. You know, he would just rather know than to, like... Because, you know, he's got enough... He's got enough money where, you know, if he makes a, a flop, it's not like, oh, my God, that's my career. Like, he knows that. You know, he comes back wearing a neon shirt. We go see the Fresh Prince and be like, yeah, all right. What, what are you selling now? Yeah. I wish he, I, oh, I wish his, I wish his career just would have went in a m- magnificently different way, and you know a movie I saw for the first time, I fucking saw Six Degrees of Separation for the mm-hmm. first time. I never saw it before, 
And I feel like his career. Have you ever seen it before, Eric? A long time. It used to come on reruns, but I was I was young enough to where watching a Will Smith drama did not interest me in the least bit. And now I'm at the point where I only want to see Will Smith do drama in a good way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, I finally watched it, and I really liked it a lot. And it's while he went his first movie, he was this um, he was this like homeless, like sh- crippled street person in LA. And then he did that, then he did Six Degree Separation, then he did like Made to America, and then he just became America's biggest action star. Right. And so the, to- the tonal shift is just it is fucking nuts. Like, because he routed off like five action movies. And they were all like, he basically had like Independence Day, Bad Boys, um, Enemy of the State, like Wild Wild West, Men in Black. Like, he just like rattled them off. And it's like, bro, like. He was trying to put together the layup for the Willennium, okay? It's nobody's fault that he was bad at it except him. That was a that was a dark time, man. I'm not trying to get jiggy with it. I'm sorry. Jiggy with it, bro. Like that was not hot in the streets of of Washington D.C. That was not hot in the streets. I'm sorry. I I will just say the majority of people I have heard listen to Will Smith music are my friends, my white friends' dads. That's mean. I feel like most of them are like, ah, yes, Will Smith. Like, uh, I too know what the youth of today enjoy. And I'm like, you know, I, 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 I very clearly remember I asking my friends. I was very, I remember very clearly asking my friends dad, wait, Will Smith made music? Wow. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> But, like, I grew up in that weird age group where, like, his music career happened when I was, like, a baby. Yeah. So I was like, oh, the guy, the guy in the pursuit of happiness, like, had a music career? Um, There's only two, there's only two Will Smith songs I genuinely liked. One, Summertime, which, you know, and two, when I was, like, four or five years old. Eric, you remember, you remember Boom Boom Shake the Room? Boom Boom Shake Shake the Room. Yes. <laughs> tick, 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 boom. No. Who I am. You know what I'm saying? That whole verse where he was stuttering. What he never came with a whack jam. Oh, okay. my God, bro. Oh, oh my God. What? Bro. You can what? stammer through rap, dog? That's cold. <laughs> you cold, motherfucker, boy. It, it sure was. Oh. <laughs> I was such a young pup. Was was it. Um, Nightmare on My Street. Parents Don't Understand. Oh, yeah. Did you ever like Parents Don't Understand? I was no. like, yeah. It's just no. cute. Yeah. Girls, on, uh, girls Ain't Nothing But Trouble. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Uh, I swear he had a song called You Saw My Blinker, Bitch. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> the song where he's like, I'm pretty sure it's him or it's somebody who was like trying to cash in. 
on sounding like a dirty Will Smith. So there's a song called You Saw My Blinker. And he's like, he's arguing with this lady in court who like apparently he had a fender bender with. And there's a song called You Saw My Blinker. Like, let, me, let me make sure. The song that definitely is, exists. That is extraordinarily problematic, but I'm highly yep, intrigued. Found it. <laughs> found it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was them. Kat, right, so can, you, can, can you do a reading of these lyrics, Kat? Uh, Very clever. He don't say the a- N-word, Kat. I, I'm confirming that. Um, <laughs> I, 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 Will Smith has never said the N-word in a, in a rap song. I'm very sorry uh, about that. The, okay, well, first of all, these are there's this is like three pages single spaced of lyrics. Like yeah. we are, we are yeah. really ringing ringing in. Uh, well, this is from 1991, so yeah. no. Um, Not a baby. When I heard a crash, I got mad as hell. Uh, cruising down the highway fast, not slow. 99, mi- uh, 99 mi- 90 miles an hour in my 5.0. People waving at me because they know who I am. Alpine stereo blast in a jam. Put the top down, said my girlfriend. Then my damn hat blew off in the wind. Oh, Jesus Christ. This just keeps going. You're doing so good, Kat. Keep going. I, okay. Um, uh, put the top down, said my girlfriend. Then my damn hat blew off in the wind. I got kind of mad. It's the hat I just bought. Uh, I should have put her out. It was all her fault. The day was Friday. The date was the 10th. My girl was looking good on her strength. She smacked my hand away when I put it on her knee. I said, hit me again and I'll break your wrist. The fuck? <laughs> this is a real Smith song, really? This is a real Smith song, man. Jesus oh. fuck. Um, the day I dressed all in white, taking my girls to Palm Springs for the night. I was hoping I could find a shortcut. I was tired, plus I had a rash on my butt. A rash. Oh, oh, wow. There was this lady in a pinto coupe, about ninety years old. I could tell by the droop, driving all fast, borderline insane. Glasses so thick, thick, couldn't stay in her lane. I swerved left and I swerved right, but she was still tailgating me too damn tight. To the left, I tried to switch, and then you saw my blinker, bitch. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, okay, that what—that was verse one. That was verse one. Oh, There's wow. three more verses left. Yeah, because it was 91 where people made songs, damn it, and they... Oh my God, he threatens to hurt her. Yes. I mean, he back in those days. We both pulled off on the side of the road. I was hot, ready to explode. The only thing that stopped me from breaking her nose was I was 21 and she was 90 years old. Then the police came and turned the lights off. The lady started crying and the cop got soft. The cop said, oh, it'll be okay. Wrinkled old bag looked like a Sharpay. I said, hey, wait, what's going on, Cap? Her car's fine and mine's all wrecked. Then I saw what happened in the crash. Her dentures came out and got stuck in the dash. You hit me. I didn't hit you. Stop holding your neck, lady. You can't sue. It's your fault you caused all this. You saw my blinker, bitch. Wow. Yeah, it, was, it, was, it was more like, you saw my blinker, bitch. You know what I mean? Yeah, it was more like that. Uh, Wednesday, October the 4th. That was when we got our day in court. The lady destroyed my case when she came in in a wheelchair and a neck brace. I jumped up and said, you must be joking. Come on, judge. Her neck ain't broken. Well, I'll be damned. 
wrinkled old bag started crying on the stand. The bailiff grabbed me and slammed me on the ground. Judge said, boy, you better come down. Uh, aren't you one of them damn rap singers? Yeah, and then I gave him the finger. Judge held me in contempt of court for giving him the finger and things of that sort. Anything to say that before you're dismissed? Just one thing. You saw my blinker, my bitch. Blinker, bitch. I had I had no clue. Uh, auto aggression, road rage would sound this corny, but so beautiful coming from Cat. So that's how you know I'm old because I sing this song up on the ready. I didn't have it memorized or anything, but I knew that it happened. He said "bitch" thrice. That was like the extent. Of the I, don't think because I I was aware of the blinkering and the bitch and whatnot. Um, I'm very certain he never said bitch in another song for the rest of his career. Back in Contrast. my day, vehicular fraud was common and funny. Um. <laughs> oh man! Um, so how can you talk that? Jesus! Jesus! <laughs> Let me touch your knee or I'll break your wrist. Like, hey, Will, hey. Oh. And then she's 90? Isn't that like elder abuse? Well, he was talking about his girl in that first verse. Oh. Who was not 90, but she is hot, in case you were wondering. He does mention that she's hot, like, four times. Just so you know that Will Smith is not dating an uggo. Yeah, I, I hated Will Smith on Fresh Prince. Like, I hated the character of Will. Oh my god, this dude is... This dude sucks. Like... <laughs> like <laughs> this new Will, who, you know, had a gun charge, is way better than the original Will. <laughs> Hilarious. I never... Gun you know the Will point is, is... great. I never... So... You're a little bit older than me, Eric, but... Was there ever a time you thought Will Smith was, like, cool? I don't know if I ever thought he was cool. I I just thought he was, like, I don't know. I think around the time of Fresh Prince because, I mean, he just kind of stood out because, again, everybody in this time was selling dope and smacking bitches and drinking 40s and smoking bloods and pimping the whores, you know? Like, everybody was doing that. And, you know, for, for, you know, whether you like it or not, like the the business model of just being more family oriented, or at least not swearing every ten seconds, um, kind of you know there was a lane. That lane was wide open, and um, definitely during Fresh Prince, we thought he was cool because he wore like all the dopest nineties shit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, he was. Every black actress who's ever been anywhere came through Fresh yes. Prince. You know what I mean, like, absolutely. He had yes. all. He was macking the honeys. You know what I'm saying? But the yeah, like the the character of Will Smith, especially you know '90s bravado and, and cheesemo, and um, yeah. you know, even though he never like claimed to be like a tough guy, like he was just it was slick. So and that's actually yeah. the thing of Fresh Prince. Like he got his ass kicked. Mm-hmm. So, and he, like, and there was points where he continued, like, would strike out with the ladies. So, mm-hmm. uh, there was that balance of someone super into themselves, but then they would get brought down to earth, like, really quickly. So, so, yeah. 
I, I, I've so you've answered my question, and I'm now transported back to when I taped the Fresh Prince finale, and I watched it numerous times. So, yes, Will Smith was cool. Yes, I think that last season, watching it with my adult eyes, man, that last season sucked, bro. Like, oh fuck yeah! This I re- trash. I think during the pandemic, I rewatched Fresh Prince and the 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 dark skin on Vib seasons, like yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. OG Good money, but yeah. but that 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 last season, boy, they were Oof. they were Ugh. they ran out of gas to the finish line. <laughs> they limped that across shit. that bitch, boy. That shit was that tough. Is. Will Smith was waiting to get in those action movies. He was like, I gotta Damn, go. Damn, man, come on, baby. Like, all right, I like y'all, but shit. How many times <laughs> we do? I fuck with y'all the long way, but I gotta Damn. go. I gotta get the bag. I'm sorry. Sorry, Carlton. You're not going to eat <laughs> off this shit. You but, went to in the house and played the exact same character who was dating Lisa Turtle. He did. It's so sad. Well, I I get it, but damn. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's pain. That's the hot hand. You yeah. wanted this. People still love Carlton. They just you know. It's like all right. Well, we're gonna, we gotta get Carlton now. Just change the name. And what's what's his name in, in the house? No one even knows. Right. So <laughs> Don't so. even know. It's probably oh, like something like that. And you know, Mark Voorhees just told a smoke show. Yeah, he was a '90s smoke show, all right. Cat, what movie? Uh, are you still hosting a movie at 10 o'clock tonight? Yep. No fucking way. Yep. Why? Why put yourself through this hellish hell? Because uh, I canceled last week, too, for the podcast. Um, so, yeah, so I'm I, I, I'm I have renewed hope. I'm going to I want to I want to commit to watching the, the last two again. So, yeah. Um, um, but, you know the funny thing is, and I will say so. After after watching the extended version of the first movie, and then talking to you about it, and then kind of rewatching some of it, it it did fall more into place. So, I I I'm I'm hoping this is going to do that again with this one, because I think a lot of people who love Lord of the Rings these movies, I feel like they've rewatched it a fuck ton, and so. I think with each rewatch, I mean, similar to what I would say with the the original Star Wars trilogy for me, like rewatching those, each new viewing gave me a different appreciation for it. And so I think with this, I, I think that it can do that. Yeah. Lord of the Rings with this. So. Um, so I actually, I have those time codes for you right now, if you want. Uh, you want to message to me? Um, cause I found one that breaks it up into like very clearly. Um, but yeah, it, it makes it into like six to roughly two hour episodes. Okay. Which I think is a lot more palatable than like a chunk. Um, alrighty. But yeah. Um, I hope that you have good luck. Um, I hope you enjoy the rewatch. And I think that a lot of the good stuff in the extended edition of Two Towers is in the back half. It's a lot of setup, but all that setup does pay off to something good. 
So I hope that you are able to find it. Uh, we are too. Before we end the episode, though, mm-hmm. talk to me about your love of Daenerys because I'm really interested because obviously the, the books leave a lot out. Well, the series leaves a lot from the books out. And I, I, I think I have a lot of uh, counterculture opinions on Daenerys, but uh, from your perspective from the books and watching some of the show, what attracted you uh, to her so greatly? I mean, I read the first book when I was 14 years old, which is the same age that Daenerys is when the book starts. Okay. Um, and I think that a lot of her behavior that is just weird in the show is explained away pretty clearly by her being a literal child okay um like she is a 14 year old girl who is sold by her brother to marriage uh her relationship with Caldrogo is not nearly as abusive as it is in the books um she learns the language so they can talk about sex so she can figure out what's happening he doesn't ever touch her until she basically says okay oh wow Um, ever in the books so he when they're married they they do have sex like fairly quickly but it's because that's like a conversation it's like something they figure out together it's a lot lot more it's still like he's a lot older than her it's still definitely kind of assault but it's a lot less aggressive I mean, yeah, in the show, she's like crying her eyes out. So, um, but then they don't she, talk about it at all. She also has a handmaid that explains everything to her and like helps her take a lot of the power back. And I think in the show, it it is a very like it's very fetishy. Yeah, when those they conversations do, do happen, as yeah. opposed to in the in the books, it is someone explaining to a fourteen year old girl who has only ever lived with her brother what is happening to her why it's important and like one thing that Caldrogo does which is kind of gross but whatever is that he doesn't have sex with her I'm gonna say this as, as politely as possible he doesn't have sex with her in a way that could get her pregnant until she says that she is ready for that and that is what she wants okay um and like one thing that i remember being a specific detail in the book is like even though he's coming over to fuck her in the butt is he always like knocks before walking into her room or like her space and waits for her permission to come like in okay like there's there's a lot of respect in that relationship from the jump that they bred out in the show yeah so then when he dies her rage is not just like her rage is the only person who's ever protected me who's ever actually stood up for me who's ever actually loved me yeah is dead and these people are not taking me seriously and also i'm 14 so when she's in quarth she's like four she's 15 years old in book five, she's like 16 or 17 years old. Okay. 
a lot of this stuff makes a lot more sense when you keep in mind that like the books start and John is, I think, 17 and she's 15. Sansa is 12 and Arya is nine. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. They don't do no age explaining that show at all. So they don't even really, they don't even do like time explanations. Like in the first season, they kind of intimate that it takes like three months to get uh, from, uh, to go from the North to the South. Mm -hmm. But after the first season, none of that even matters anymore. Like time, time is just like not, not even a question anymore after the first season. So. Oh yeah. And I mean, in uh, like the half of the, the second book, is Arya like walking? <laughs> yeah. I won't say that I have a great love for Daenerys, but I do feel that by being more realistic about her age and also the amount of trauma that she has been through at that age, like before that to get there, yeah. a lot more of her actions make sense coming from a, like a teenager. And yeah. also in the books, like she has not, she and Jon Snow are not bow chicka bow wowing. Uh, you know, there's not like anything kind of, I'd say like season seven on six, maybe even has not happened with her yet. Okay. A lot of the books also are about her like maturing, but because of what has happened to her, you are seeing her mature wrong. So okay. you're seeing a lot more of like the in-between steps not just like her big action moments. You know, she's not obsessed with respect as much as she is wanting to never be in a position to be hurt again. Oh, yeah. Which is like a very rational feeling when you're 15 years old. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think, well, I mean, I think we're at a point where I think a lot of people hate it the last season. And so because of that, people just aren't even telling people to revisit Game of Thrones. Uh, I saw some people just say they, they hated the last season so much that they wouldn't even recommend even the, the first seven seasons. Like the last season just kind of ruined it. I'm not of that mindset, but whatever. Do you think that you would ever revisit Game of Thrones? Or do you think that when a new Game of Thrones show and start, you would give that a chance? No. <laughs> oh, there it is. There it is. <laughs> um, like I I might rewatch like the first season or two at some point because I think the closer they stick to the books, the better they are. Okay. But once they start getting really out there, like those aren't the characters I love and care about. Those aren't the people that I've invested, you know hundreds of hours reading about yeah fair, enough. fair um, enough and and not only are they not those characters they're not even characters i like <laughs> like i i think sansa comes out the best for me in the show her but, arc yeah but also sansa is not the character from the book like at all okay when joffrey hits her he's 11 and she's 12 and okay. he's he has like a tantrum for a lot of reasons, but the biggest reason is that she is taller than him. 
<laughs> All right. There it is. <laughs> and and so the the idea, I think, in a lot of ways is that the Game of Thrones books are about the ways, at least from a, a female perspective, are about the ways that women grow in these really like toxic boxes, right? Yeah. And so Sansa and Daenerys in some ways kind of mirror each other. Arya just straight up goes feral. You know, Kat dies. Marjorie Terrell thinks she's too smart to lose and then she loses. Um, yeah. You know, and it's it's about the like and and there's a lot of other examples of like dudes having these issues as well. But like at least it's showing different ways that women might try to swim to the surface and and the slap is enough for Sansa to go, I will never let anybody disrespect me like that again. Mm. She doesn't then have to go get raped by Ramsey Bolton, for example, which that happened to somebody else in the book. That oh, wasn't really? even her. Yeah. Oh, and uh, that scene at is it um, what's the what's Joffrey's little brother's name? Um, the one that becomes king and then dies. Yeah. Seen at that funeral, not a rape with Cersei oh, and Jamie. Yeah, yeah. Not a rape. Yeah. I heard that. Yeah. Um, and that is to me where I had to go, nope. Okay. Um, because <laughs> in the books, Cersei's just like kind of she sees her brother for the first time in a while, and she's in an emotional tangle, and she's just like, Come on, let's just like get it over with. We both need this stress release. Like, come on. Yeah. This is not a pivotal character growth moment. This isn't a moment where she learns she can't trust her other half anymore. Like, and also it, it shouldn't have to be like an, an assault to do that. Yeah. At, at a certain point, the, the disrespect that the show has for the other ways that women can grow. It's powerful. Turn, turns me off. Um, yeah. And honestly, if they did decide to redo the show, I wouldn't be interested unless there were some significantly more sensitive showrunners involved. You mean the, the the guys that wanted to make what if the Civil War was won by the South? You mean different guys than those? Yeah, I, I do specifically mean different guys than those. Fair, More than fair enough. More than fair enough. Uh, your guy Benedict Cumberbatch says Doctor Strange 2 is the most frightening Marvel film of all time, which was like, what is the actual like, what's the comparison? Like, what are the Marvel movies frightening at all? Uh, I don't know. I, I think that's one of those things you got to sell just to sell a movie. Like, but also, also like. Frightening. I feel like if if they if they go for like a steep existential bend to it, which it seems they might be, like if it becomes a why are we here and why do we matter movie, that could yeah. be frightening. Mm. I'd be here for that. You you said you're going to see it but not opening weekend, right? I'm gonna try it does open this weekend, but I am gonna try to see it in the first week because they have an exclusive sneak peek of peak of Avatar 2. 
uh, with it. And since you've decided that I care about Avatar 2, I feel obligated to try to care about Avatar 2. You told me you're going to see all five Avatar No, no. I told you I was going to go see five without having seen any of the other ones except one. Oh, so Avatar 5, not all Avatar 5. Got it. Not all five Avatars. Avatar 5. So what if the sneak preview is like epic and you have to see Avatar 2 now? Are you going to break your own oath? Uh, I might. I don't know. We'll see. Why not? Fuck it. Why not? Like, did you think the eight people who listen to this show will never forgive me if I uh, if I break my oath? Are we going to have to cancel the podcast or do you think I it'll mean, be okay? I mean, look, man, we're living in strange times. People are judgmental. People are picky. We don't know. We don't know which way it's going to go. So, but you got to live in your truth. You got to live in your life, man. Yeah. So. Also, I feel like by by like hating Avatar uh, slightly less than the general public because I enjoy the theme park that somehow has put me in like the top five percent of Avatar fans, uh, which I think is really funny. Look, man, you gotta live in your own truth, man. You gotta live in your own truth. Yeah. Have you seen the unbearable weight of massive talent yet? So I saw you reviewed it. Um, I have not seen it yet. Um, it's not that I didn't want to, but I've been kind of going to like the movies a little like I hit the movies actually pretty hard. Uh, and so I kind of had to get some other shit done. Mm-hmm. Um, but I haven't seen it yet. But uh, you really liked it. I I did. Uh, I think it's only like a I think. <sighs> Honestly, I think it's closer to a four-star movie than a three and a half, but, like, it's, yeah. But uh, that said, I would recommend that you watch the Paddington movies before you see it. (laughs) All the Paddington movies? There are two. What do you mean, all the Paddington movies? All incorporates multiple, so yes, all the Paddington movies. Yes. yes, all the Paddington movies. And they're a fucking delight. So get on it. Um, I made Greg watch Paddington 1. And we're going to watch Paddington. Paddington 2 is probably going to be the first movie I watch in my new apartment. Oh. And also Paddington 2 is peak cinema. And I will not hear a word against it. So um, Hilarious. That's funny. I heard a lot of people like the original. Uh, the first Paddington. They're the both is- excellent. Okay. Like, astonishingly excellent. I don't know if I've... I don't even... I can't even... I know what Paddington Bear is. I don't think I've ever watched, like, the the cartoon. I think maybe I have. But I don't remember it at all, so... that That's okay. You don't need to. The movie is good. Just watch the movie. Mm-hmm. The movie explains everything. It's not like you're gonna be missing anything. Hilarious. I'll take your word for it. I'll take your word for it. We're going to have to revisit this concept of does Marcus actually like animated musicals or not? Or animated movies or not? We're going we're gonna to find the one cat by hella high water. And I'm probably going to drown in hell, but we need to find it. We're going to fucking find the cat. I'm on a fucking I feel mission. like between the two of us, we'll figure it out. I need to watch Lego Batman again. I need to watch Lego Batman again. Did you see the regular Lego movie? No. That's also good. Um, 
it's entirely sarcastic. It like it is making fun of all the tropes it seems to be leaning into. And that becomes increasingly obvious as the movie goes on. So if you don't buy in in like the first 10, 15 minutes, that's why I'm telling you that. Um, but that one is really good. Um, Lego Movie 2 was okay. I didn't love it. Um, but Lego Batman is in Lego Movie. That's where he came from. Okay. Um, Lego Batman is my, my favorite Batman movie. Um, I was going to say, do you know your top three already? I think it's um, 89, 66 Lego. Ooh. Okay. All right. Um, I think I might throw a short honorable mention on for the uh, Schumachers. Oh, okay. All right. So, um, I think I know my top three. Um, you probably think I'm a slut, but uh, I think I got the Batman number two. What's your number one? 89. See, I'm at the point now where I'm like, as long as we all are acknowledging that like 89 (laughs) is like, as long as it's in everyone's top three. I don't really care what the rest of the top three is. Um, but if you're if your top three is the three Christopher Nolans or Batman and two Christopher Nolans, then surprise, I don't trust you. Um, oh, fucking hilarious! <laughs> hilarious. I mean, yeah, I get it. I totally get it. I need to rewatch Dark Knight to figure out. If I really want to have the hot take, if if Batman Returns is better than Dark Knight, oh, Batman Returns is better than the Dark Knight. Um, the oh, homie, um, I'll I will send you some comments on a post Greg made a couple of weeks ago where he basically was like the Nolan Batman movies are reactionary to nine eleven and so, as a side effect of that, like are incredibly dated. Um, like basically, it's it's what if Batman fucked the Patriot Act? Um, I mean, it didn't fuck anyone else. <laughs> yeah and like i am so frustrated because that has been my take for literal like a decade now and i've just yeah. been constantly shat on for it yeah yeah also have you noticed the episodes where we talk about batman oh i don't i don't i only have uh i would say circumstantial evidence but the episodes in which we discuss batman seem to do better than the ones where we don't um, and I think it might be a little bit like Howard Stern, where people hate listen to it longer than they like listen to it. So, um, so, so your your contributions are one. Uh, and Kat, if I I I don't know if I've ever said this before, I should have, but every single thing you say on this podcast is one hundred percent valid, and there's there's no qualifier whether we agree or disagree no qualifier for that and i don't even in that episode like and even shit like well i didn't leave too much out but um i don't think you had anything negative even like anything egregious i would say that you're even wrong about and even and even like when you tweeted me today about kind of reiterating as far as you know we need to move beyond the joker like i and the funny thing is i don't i really don't disagree with that take i just think that folks are are kind of 
I think folks are handcuffed to the fact that if you have Batman, you have to tell Joker eventually. I I see. I'm at the point now where I agree with that less and less. If I were a director, if I were given Warner Brothers money, I would take a great opportunity to make a villain that in the next generation, people will go, oh, well, you can't tell a Batman story without also telling, you know, whichever Poison Ivy, let's say. Let's let's bring Poison Ivy back. Let's let's try that. You have an opportunity as a as a director. And I feel like that's kind of what he did with the Riddler. Where he's like, yes. I am going to make the Riddler, like, serious business iconic. Yeah. In in a way, like, in the way that they have now done with Joker twice. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and... I, I respect that. And I think that he has a great opportunity, if he chooses to do it, to do that with other characters. Um. I think that making Poison Ivy an eco-terrorist could be awesome. Yeah. And just really lean into her doing anything to to stop humanity. Yeah. From destroying the natural world. And then the way that you you temper that is with Batman going, you can't you can't destroy the world to save the world. And not even saying you're wrong, saying let's fix it together and her rejecting that. And that's when she becomes the villain. Yeah. You know, you have an opportunity here to, to do something like that. Um, and now that that this movie did so well, you would hope that he is given a blank check to make whatever he wants. Um, and I just don't know how many times we can revisit the Joker well. By like edging him up. Before he's just not successful anymore. You know what would be the, the greatest shit of all time? Batman 2 starts out with the Joker and then just someone just like blow him in the way. It's like five minutes yeah. to blow him away. No, I if he if he's like a first third villain Gun and then axed by the main villain, I would be much more inclined to agree with this. But like Penguin he blows a, him away. He got a standalone movie. Yeah. And he's now also gotten uh, Dark Knight. And like, at a certain point, how much black paint can you add to darken a color before it's just black? Yeah. And I feel like we're starting to butt up to that point with this character. And like, just a black Joker is not Joker. At that point, you're just giving nega Batman. You are giving clown (laughs) Batman. And like, I don't want that. Yeah. And again, the more that I think about it, the more that I wish that Harley was the character, even if they used it to introduce them as a team up, I think could be really interesting. And I probably wouldn't be as mad as that at that because it's like an an outside force working with the Joker Um, because he's asking psychological questions. He's he's trying to do the thing that therapists do where they like give you leading questions. (laughs) Yeah. Which is like not what he does. Yeah. So it already seems like, I don't know if it, that was a studio choice. I don't know if now the Joker's a psychologist and he just like ate Harley Quinn. I don't know. But like, I am, I am a little, or, or he's just like John Mulaney. 
Like the Joker is just <laughs> good at observing people and making jokes about it. Um, that actually be really subversive. He just he just comes in and talks shit and just leaves. Yeah, that'd be pretty. That'd be fucking funny. Um, but anyway. I know you gotta, I know you gotta go soon. But do you plan on watching it again anytime soon? Uh, Batman. Yeah. Uh, I'll probably watch it once it hits HBO Max. Thank you. Um, I liked it fine. I liked it a lot in theaters, but I've got a nice TV and a good surround sound system, and I'd like to be able to pause it to pee whenever I want. Um, so I don't know if I'm, I don't know if I'm going to go four time. I may, but I don't know. I may. I fucking um. I got oh, also shout out, shout out to the bartender in New York City this weekend that tried to mansplain to me why the movie was wrong. Um, what the fuck? <laughs> what? He's like, well, they got a lot of things wrong, and I was like, well, first of all, there's like numerous comic canons, so I'm gonna need you to define wrong. Uh, yeah. And he was like, well, the Riddler's name is Edward Nigma, and I was like, well, actually, the <laughs> there are several different uh like character names, and like this guy, like he was like, it's like the guy who was like, oh, I'm big into slasher movies, and I was like, oh, cool, like. He, you know, we were chatting about it and he goes, oh, who's your favorite like director? And I said, oh, Carpenter. And he goes, oh, like the the people who make chairs. Oh, no. Like that it's happened? the same energy as that. Oh, yeah, I have I have text receipts. Um, Jesus Christ. And I was just like. Yeah. Yeah, no. So, you know, it had a really similar energy to like. Batman, the guy who like. <laughs> Bats men, like yes, clearly, obviously, like hilarious. Yeah, so I'm, I, yeah, no, uh, he didn't. Literally, uh, and then Greg said the same thing verbatim as I did, like thirty seconds after, and he's like, "Ah, oh, you make a good point." Jesus Christ, guy, work for tips, okay? No, don't work for you know, comic theories. Work for tips, guy. Like Jesus. Uh, so yeah, that was a uh, fun. <laughs> Which is going to be the one you watch the next first? Hmm. I feel like I've had Encanto on a lot in the background, uh, okay. just because like I can look over and be like, "Oh, it's so pretty." Uh, but like, if I were to sit down and watch something, I think it would probably be Mitchell's versus the Machines. Uh, although I might have to give a, I might have to give a weird uh, like dog leg vote to Pixar fish movie Luca because I watched that a couple weeks ago and I was kind of blown away by how good it was actually. August through it, what's Luca about? Luca is about a little fish boy who wants to be human, and then he finds out, oh shit, if I walk on land and like let myself dry off, I look human. And he meets another little fish boy and they decide that they are going to run away from the fish village on a Vespa. So they are trying to figure out how to get a Vespa in a little village in the Italian Riviera. And it's super charming and very good. And I think it has some of the most realistic kids who act like kids uh, that a movie has had in a while. Maybe since Wendy. And uh, he uh, looks to be, he was uh, in... Is he Italian? Yeah. Well, oh. I, I I don't know if there's like fish jurisdiction. Is he fish Italian? I don't know, but 
year? I would say so. Mediterranean, you know, a little bit. A little bit. Yeah, it's it's really beautiful. I don't know if he's dating Haley Atwell, but she's been like popping up in his life a lot recently. And I hope that she is able to use this to like get the fame and attention that she really truly deserves. But also like, please be careful. Scientology yeah. is scary and bad and a cult. Holy shit. <laughs> uh, damn, Why are you pulling me? I'm right. Um. <laughs> oh no, I'm just, I'm just amazed. She still looks, she's always fucking fine, man. Uh, <laughs> don't even get me started. I know. She she is in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, and she is uh, by far and away my favorite part of that movie. And uh, then a thing happens to her. I won't get into it, but a thing happens, oh, and I just started actively weeping. Like, I, I guess I can tell what happens to her just based on that reaction. Uh, yeah, anyway. but like how how it happens is the thing that made me cry. Um, because uh. Sam Raimi gets a little evil dead with that movie. Um, and that is in no way a dig. It's just a statement of fact. And no, like, no, no. I haven't seen it yet, and that makes me more excited. <laughs> shit gets gross. Um, I also, uh, my my Letterboxd review, I, I tagged as has spoilers, but I think out of context, they're fairly harmless. Um, I cannot do them if you don't want me to, but it's uh, men would really rather possess their own dead bodies than go to therapy. Um, I mean, that's a layup. I mean, <laughs> and like, I don't uh, know what's going on with movies about men rather doing insane shit than going to therapy recently. But I do feel like at least we're finally acknowledging that men have at least one mental health. Um, so like, it's that we, nice. we share it. It's yeah, it's share. It's it's like the ginger cats that all share one brain cell. <laughs> Yeah. I just caught up on No Way Home this weekend, so that was Oh, yeah, that was – so that movie was good. I waited a month and a half to see it. It's my favorite post credit sequence of any Marvel movie. Uh, yeah. I don't even remember that post credit scene. What do you happen? Uh, post credit is, is Venom. Yes, uh, it's Venom oh, yeah, in, yeah, in the yeah, Tiki yeah. bar. The idea that, that yeah. Venom got dropped into a universe, and instead of doing anything, he posted up at the nearest bar, drank for a day and a half, and then, like, talk shit at this guy the whole time, and then disappears. And that was his entire experience. And they're but setting also, up Venom for a next movie, but which is... But cool. also, there's a little bit of Venom left on the table. That's what I mean. Which they're, is, leaving, yeah. they're leaving Venom in Tom Holland's universe, which is very cool. I, I'm uh, excited yeah, it's a perfect, for... It's a perfect thing. I just I'm want, so like... I'm so out of MCU, man. This is not funny. I want all. Venom to take over Tom Holland, and, <laughs> and for his first words to be, Where's Eddie? And I want it to just be gayer than the goddamn 4th of July. And I'm ready. Also, the last Speak. line is, is Venom shouting at Tom, uh, Tom Hardy saying, let's go skinny dipping in the, <laughs> in the No Way Home scene. How, so how does, how would Venom skinny dip? I have I, questions. He, he just wants to. I don't know. Because his body is the suit. <laughs> Unless that means Venom is walking around dick out all the time. Ven Venom In is always skinny dipping. Venom is skinny dipping life. Um. Yeah. <laughs> uh, sorry, Marcus, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Oh, no, no, we're good. 
this movie fucking rocks, man. Like, and the, so I think good. the reason, I think the reason I initially questioned if um if it's somehow not better than original, really is just from the nostalgic piece of it. But like, it, like it, it's not even fucking close, man. Like, ma- like this is one of those like clear cut cases. Like, it, it doesn't have like the kind of the iconic kind of you know musicality or whatever. It it, it doesn't have like you know a guy posing on a on a volleyball court for no fucking reason. But it 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 doesn't need it. It doesn't need it at all. And it makes in its way in its way better movie for it. So, cat, are you voguing or stretching? Or flexing. I'm, I'm posing. I'm posing like I'm on a volleyball court. Speaking of, they realized I think like the the <laughs> thing about the intro to both these movies on the aircraft carrier is that they realized it looks really cool when like two guys with a jet engine behind them just do like motions like this, just <laughs> like, like all that kind of shit. Everyone's just like, yeah, all right, let's do it. It's, oh, oh, that's so oh funny. wait. Shout that's... out to the scene where they do all the hand signals and Tom Cruise goes, I don't know what that means. Yeah. Uh, because <laughs> he also, like, he, he doesn't, the, uh, another, another cruisism, cruising, I don't know what to call it. Uh, oh, cruising. Hey. Uh, is that he, like, never admits he's wrong in any of these movies. Oh, hell no. Like, have you watched a Mission Impossible where he's like, damn, I overshot it. It's always like, damn, the helicopter dropped me off two feet to the left of where I needed to be. Like, he never exactly. acknowledges that he doesn't know something or did something wrong. So my hope is that this is the beginning of a pivot for him. Because my concern is that, honestly, I feel like Liam Neeson, at least once in a while, people are still like, he does a good movie, though. But, like, I don't want him to end up in the Harrison Ford space. That would be my concern for him. Mm. The, the Indy 5, the Ooh. Indy 4, the, the, I'm the, uh, kind of tired of being old Han. I'm tired of hearing him complain about how much cooler he was when he was young. I'm tired of hearing about him crashing his planes. I'm tired of him hearing him go, Callista! Like, I'm tired. Um, and I worry that he's more likely to end up in that space if he's not careful. Because I feel like I think... people that wake the morning and they're like ah sky is blue water is wet liam neeson is making an action movie and then they're like indiana jones 5 is to begin filming this year and people are like fuck and like that's not where you want to be when you announce a movie is coming out no and he's got a good years before he gets to that age but like he's been doing the same thing for 20 years as we just established so he's going to have to kind of get get busy living or get busy dying, as it were, I think. Shout out to the cancer, baby. Shout out to me, you. Shout out to me, you, Cat, Harrison Ford, and, and Tom Cruise. All cancer babies. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I know. So we, we, we get the vision. We, we understand the vibe, so. Actually, he looks well, like I, a dumbass in Edge of Tomorrow a lot. Now that I, I'm just going through his, oh, which I that think, was a good which one. I think is what, which I think one. is what makes Edge of Tomorrow maybe his second best movie. Like it's way up there because Tom Cruise looks like he barely understands what's happening around him for most of that movie. That movie was really, and, and it's incredible. Like. That movie, that movie is, is yeah, it's one of the best action movies in the last twenty years. It's incredible. That movie's so smart and good. I don't shit with. I don't even know if I don't. I don't think I've ever seen it streaming. I'm. I'm certain it's streamed on like Netflix, but 
I just don't remember that just like I think that's the part because it's overlooked like that just wasn't really in the culture I don't think but that movie I saw it in theaters I was really glad I saw it in theaters it was really good it is not streaming anywhere for free yeah I think people put it into that same category as like Reign of Fire which I realize is a weird pull but it's like this movie with a kind of weirdly stacked cast that people have sort of cast off as not worth watching even though I think at Rain of Fire is kind of fun. Um, oh wait, is it on people... it's on H- it's on HBO Max oh, guys. Oh, is it? Yep. Go watch it. Go watch it tomorrow. Edge of Tomorrow was incredible. Am I am I going to do that immediately after this and just <laughs> maybe be up until the god knows what time? Yes. Um uh, it's like I think it's less than 2 hours. Pretty sure. No gods, uh, no monsters, and just you got, Tom you got Emily Seven Blunt minutes. to get you get you through it, which you know helps. Bill Pax, Bill Paxton, the god, rest oh. in peace. Oh my god! So can I? Can I? I know. Ugh. Okay, so on Valentine's Day, I made my dad watch Streets of Fire, and Bill Paxton is in Streets of Fire in like a fairly small but like repeating cameo role. Mm-hmm. And my dad and I like almost got into a physical fight because he did not believe that Bill Paxton was Bill Paxton. It's fucking Bill Paxton. And he was like, he wouldn't be in a movie like this. And I was like, yes, the fuck he is. That's goddamn Willem Dafoe. Also, like, Rick Moranis is in this? What are you, what do you mean he wouldn't? Like, he is. Like, and, like, we legitimately, like, Valentine's Day almost got into a fist fight about is Bill Paxton in Streets of Fire or not when it is visibly Bill Paxton and Bill Paxton is listed in the credits. In 84, he was in Streets of Fire and the original Terminator. And and my dad was like, Bill Paxton, it must be a different Bill Paxton because hashtag not my Bill Paxton. And I just had to be like, I... (laughs) But the idea that Bill Paxton is your pillar of of masculinity is very like <laughs> what why like he's never been in a movie that would give you that idea like he's not Arnold. Uh, has also, your dad seen true lies he no true no lies. my dad hasn't seen oh, yeah. like anything he's oh, seen like dude. the lord of the rings and then like <laughs> rage quit scrooge and decided he hates movies now um wait i love all dc movies and True Lies, he, he, they're like going through all of DC, and Bill pa- Bill Paxton pissed himself. It's so have, uh, Dan, have you seen Streets of Fire? Years ago, I I was doing a like silly movie night with friends, and and that was one we put on. I I remember very little about it because I was drinking. So, but they are showing it at uh, the Davis Square Theater, the Somerville Theater, in June. Uh, when I am Ooh. going to be out of town, so you should go see it because you weren't able to make it when we went on December twenty third. Oh yeah, um, I will look but, into that. I bet my my girlfriend would be way into that. <laughs> it's it, and if uh, it does not work out that way timing wise, uh, I have it on thirty fifth anniversary. Great, Blue you're Ray you're always book. ready to watch <laughs> Streets of Fire. I am. Uh, I will make a signature cocktail and throw down uh, <laughs> to watch Streets of Fire in my beautiful apartment on my shitty TV I got from Parker for free. Um, Hell yeah! Hilarious. Spielberg really did his shit with these animatronics, man. I'm looking at the. uh, It's got to the raptor bird scene. Yep. Yeah. 
shit. Actually, did they not grow in real life? Did they not grow bigger than this, basically? They were about the size of turkeys. So they got a little bigger, but not much bigger. Um, Yeah, so basically they were like turkeys with roadrunner legs. So they could run really fast, but they were like more like scavenger dinosaurs than actual like like hands and things. Okay. Hang on. Let me let me see. There's an actual dinosaur that they basically stole the bodies for and then called them raptors because raptors are cool. I mean, it's a cool ass name. Exactly. You got that Windows 98 keyboard, girl. Oh, yeah. It's a rainbow. Oh, there it is. Nice. I'll be fine. Please know that I just Googled uh, what dinosaur is the raptor in Jurassic Park. And then the second Google response is, are dinosaur or are raptors from Jurassic Park actually alive? <laughs> uh, are they, though? No. Um, so they are uh, Dionysius, I think is what they're called. Dionysius? Wow. So they're the ones with the arms. Okay. Um, and they're tall and like wide, wider, uh, but like actual raptors are like, uh, okay, not the Toronto raptors, but thank you. Um, I will uh, send you a picture of them. They also had wings, which is vaguely terrifying. I think in the in. Jurassic World dissonance or disconnect or dynasty, they're gonna have feathers in that one too. So, <laughs> yeah, in this season of uh, Dinosaurs Do Dallas, um, <laughs> oh man, that's what a, a Velociraptor actually looked like. Oh shit. Mm. Mm. I like Spielberg's better. Well, so the other thing that's interesting, though, is that they are pack hunters in real life. So you would be attacked by, like, 50 of those. Oh, well. Which I think makes them a little scarier. Like, the idea that there's just, like, a horde of these things coming for you. Like... Yeah. Yeah. Um... But no, I, I just think they're, everything in this movie is smart and well done, which makes it so much sadder that the rest of the movies are like the way the rest of the movies are. Is this the only film franchise where they have like one excellent movie and then they just literally have like four to five shitty movies like consecutively? Ah, uh, Like Taken? Oh, I think that's a good example. There's there's like four taken, I think. Yeah, and the first one's a decent movie, and then the rest of them just are like, Jesus Christ, dude. Um, yeah, basically. I was I was oh, going Jaws. to say Jaws. Oh, that's that's not the excellent one. That's not the excellent one. Um, I was going to say 
Indiana Jones, but the third one isn't going to be a good movie. The third one is good, and four is really fun for the drinking game. Like, it does, it's not a good movie, but, like, good things have come out of it. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think, like... I feel like a lot of the Spielberg movies, like, when he steps back and lets other people kind of be more in charge, that's where the problems are. Like, he's either got to be completely in charge or not attached at all. Like, I think Spielberg's people are not as good as Spielberg. Follow Cat at Cat underscore Chinetti on Twitter, Twitch, Instagram, and Letterboxd. Follow Marcus, at Show and Mad Love, on Twitter and Letterboxd. Follow the show on Twitter, at Cat and Mark. Be sure to read us at, catseasmovies.tumblr.com, and, themarkrob.wordpress.com. This podcast is executive produced by Kellen Conley, and Eric Greenley. Thanks for listening. We should do this again sometime. This is a hyphen podcast production. Are you not entertained?